Um, some of us um, feel as though we're experts in the area of raising kids. And before we jump into any scripture or anything the Bible has to say, let me just, uh, let, me, let me confess something to you. Um, before I became a parent, I felt like parenting is a piece of cake. You know, I would, I would be the person in the restaurant that would be annoyed by the kid that was crying and be like, they're just terrible parents. Like, they, I mean, do they not discipline their kids? I mean, do they have no control over those kids? Those kids just run wild. And I would see kids running through stores, and I'm like, my goodness, what's going on with these parents? Do they not even care about the kids? And then we had kids, and I became the person that people were frustrated at. I would have the kid in the restaurant that would start crying, and I would be like, well, what just happened? Like, I thought I had this figured out. I thought this would be easy. I thought that, you know, being a parent would be something that would just come natural. And uh, probably if you're like me, you've had moments where you felt like you've just fell. Your feet just came out from under you, and you just didn't know what was happening, and you felt as if you were out of control, and everything that you thought you were an expert on suddenly uh, became very vague in your mind, and you began to question yourself, and you began to doubt yourself, and you began to wonder if you have what it takes to be a good parent. And so the good news is, is I believe you do. I believe you do, and I believe I do. Somewhere inside of us, there's potential for us to be incredible parents, and so my prayer for all of us is that we be incredible parents. Let me remind you, if you're in a season of life where parenting is getting the most of you, let me just remind you of a scripture in Psalm 127, starting in verse number three. It says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Children are a blessing. Children aren't just a luxury. They're not an accessory to our life. They're not pets that help us have a better quality of life. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Planned or not, children are a blessing from the Lord. And so if you have kids, if you have children, no matter how frustrated you may get at times, no matter how tense your life may seem in this very moment, thinking about your children and the conversations you had before you walked into this room, your child is a blessing from the Lord. And you've been entrusted to care for that life by God Almighty. And it's a huge honor. It's a huge reward. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you this morning that, that parents... Uh, you're making a difference in the lives of the next generation and you just have to see that God has entrusted a huge blessing into your care before you can even attempt to be a great parent. So we're all on the same page now. Children are a blessing, though at times we may not feel like it. Children are a blessing. I want to talk to us this morning um, about four simple statements that I believe can be a great training program for us to become parent fit. That if we'll focus on four simple ideas, four simple truths, four simple things, then, then we can be great parents and we can take advantage of the blessings that God's given us. Uh, now before we jump into those four things, let me back up and read our theme verse for this series. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, starting in verse number 7. It says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So we're talking about training in this series, um, and I want to encourage us as parents to understand that it's important for us to train to be great parents. 
that it doesn't just happen overnight, that you're not just suddenly waking up, blessed from God to be the best parent in the world, and your kids just love you, and they're the most well-behaved kids on the planet, but it's something that you have to work at. It's something you have to figure out, and not all kids are the same, and so not all parents can approach kids in the same way, and it's tough. It's a challenge. It's difficult. There are seasons that we have to really wrestle through approaches and and ways to go about raising our kids. Uh, So let me give us four simple things. Uh, If you're the type of person that just loves to write things down, today might be uh, somewhat scratching that itch for you. So here's four things um, real quickly, and then then we'll dedicate some children. Um, here's, Here's the first idea for us to be fit parents, to be fit parents. Um, our goal is godly before good. Our goal as parents for our kids is godly before good. Godly before good. Let me read a passage for you here found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You've probably heard it. It's been around, uh, spoken in churches for centuries. It says, train a child in the way he should go, And when he is old, he will not turn from it. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Let me take some pressure off some of you as parents. Let me kind of relieve some of the tension in your heart. Your goal, your purpose as a parent in the life of your child is not that they would turn out good. Let that sink in for a second. Your goal as a parent is not that your kids would turn out good. This is important because I think, especially in our culture, sometimes we get this completely backwards. Sometimes we feel like if our kids were the kids in the restaurant that were behaved well, that weren't running around screaming, acting crazy, we feel like that would be success. In a lot of ways, it is success. But that's not ultimate success. We feel like if our kids can live through their teenage years and never get arrested, Be good kids. That's success. We want to have good kids. We want our kids to be good. We want our kids to be well-mannered. We want them to say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and thank you, and you're welcome. We want them to be polite. I think part of me feels as though this is escaping our culture and hasn't been as emphasized, and so part of me takes pride in the fact that I really work with my kids to say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. And we feel like if we can raise polite kids who are good, they're well-behaved, they're respected by people, it's almost as if they can become a trophy for us. It's almost as if they can become a prized possession that we look good in the lives of our peers because we're obviously doing something to them and for them that they haven't figured out. And so we've got a leg up. Our kids sit at the table. They behave. They're quiet. They don't yell and scream. They don't run around. My kid's never done drugs. My kid's never been in alcohol. My kid doesn't go to the parties. My kid's not sleeping around. I have a good kid. Don't we feel the tension for that to be a goal as a parent? We want to have good kids. We want people to say, man, you've just got a good kid. And here's the problem, and I'll let you wrestle with this. Here's the problem, is good kids can go to hell, and good kids can take a lot of people with them. Good kids can go to hell, and they can take a lot of people with them, because here's the danger in simply trying to raise good kids. If you want to raise a good kid, all you've got to do is intimidate your child enough to hide the bad from you, 
and live a life pretending as if there's no bad in their life and only letting people see the good and then what happens? I have good kids. I have good kids. However, on the inside that they're now not wanting to talk about because they don't want to tarnish your reputation as a parent and they don't want to disappoint you and they don't want to make you look bad and they want to be respected in the lives of people that you trust, they begin to hide things on the inside. They begin to have secrets. They begin to struggle with things out of sight. And we're raising a generation, teaching them that we want you simply to be good. And I just want to tell you as parents, like that doesn't have to be your goal. And that's not necessary. Because good kids isn't the purpose that God blessed you with children to begin with. That's not your goal. It's not your purpose to produce good kids. Your goal is to train godly kids. I believe godly kids will be good kids. Good kids aren't bad. I'm not telling you that you can't have good kids or you should want bad kids that are misbehaved and unpolite. But I'm saying if they're good but they're not godly, as a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you've become a failure as a parent. I don't care how many people will think that you're doing something that they can't figure out because your kids behave well. If your kid doesn't grow up to be godly, if you're not training your child to be godly, you're a failure as a parent. You're going to release kids into this world who are good And they're going to convince people around them to be good. And they're going to raise a generation of kids the same way they were raised, teaching them to be good. Because if we can convince everyone that we're good, then that's success, right? But it's failure. It's failure if good comes before godly. And so I want to encourage us as parents. Our goal is always godly before good. I think godly will produce good. You can be godly and be really good you can also be good and not be godly at all. And so we've got to focus on training up kids who are godly, teaching kids what it means to follow Christ, teaching kids the traditions of our faith, teaching kids what it means to live a life that's acceptable in the sight of Almighty God, not mom and dad. And here's another scary thought for you. There are a lot of abused kids that seem to be good. Because you can abuse a kid to a point where they'll just shy away from life altogether and they'll appear like they don't get into any trouble, but on the inside they're crushed. And they're yelled at and they're scolded and they're talked down to and they're threatened and they're intimidated into not making you look bad going into a store, into not making you look bad when they go to the parties. And so they don't do things that on the inside they might want to do because... They're intimidated by their parents. So they appear good, but they're far from godly. And so your freedom this morning is, is no one's expecting you to raise good kids. God's not up in heaven saying, they gotta be good, come on, make them good kids. Like, that's, that's the goal. But they need to be godly. And if we'll focus our time and our energies not on making them good, but on making them godly, what we'll see is, On the flip side, they'll turn out to be good kids. But I think good is such a terrible goal. And I think good is dominating our culture and it's dumbing us down. And we're forgetting that godly trumps good. So the first thing, if you want to be parent fit, is to make sure that your goal is always godly before good. 
Godly before good. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. This is Old Testament after they were given law. This was children of Israel. Um, And let me read what it says. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Listen to this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What are you doing to make sure that you're training your kids to be godly? How are you emphasizing the word of God? How are you emphasizing faith in Christ Jesus in your approach to parenting? This is something in studying this week that uh, just confession time for you here has revolutionized um, our approach, especially with our oldest son, Landon. Um, For two and a half three years now, um, he has been in childcare, and here lately, he would come home from childcare, and we would always ask this question, what would we ask? Were you good today? And he would sneak and try to say, I was good today, but we would go uh, and ask uh, his, his childcare provider, and, and she'd say, oh, he wasn't great, you know. And so we would just say, you know, today if you're good, we'll take you and get ice cream. You know, we would try to like give him like rewards for being good and we would try to convince him to be good. And then I was just studying this week and I just said, you know what, why are we trying to produce a good kid? Why are are we trying to produce a good kid? This is so backwards, it's so backwards. And so so I sat down with Landon and Lindsay and I explained to him, son, when you're not good, it's not that you're disappointing mommy and daddy, but it's that you're sinful, He's four years old, and people think, you know, that's way too early to talk to him about this. But I said, son, it's because you're sinful. Like, you, by nature, you created that. You're sinful. Like, you dishonor God. And he's memorized Ephesians 6.1. And so every time that we have a talk about his behavior, I say, son, well, what's Ephesians 6.1 say? And, and I encourage you, you see Landon today, ask him what Ephesians 6.1 says and test him. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then a lot of times he says, children... Obey your parents in the name of the Lord, for this is right. Which isn't scripture, and I correct him, and Lindsay gets mad, but I'm like, it's not scripture, you should memorize it right. But anyway, (laughs) and so instead of saying, son, were you good today? I say, son, were you obedient today? Did you obey mommy and daddy? Did you obey Miss Stephanie? Were you godly today? And he would say, no, sir, I wasn't godly today. And I would say, son... This is what happens when we're not godly. We need to say a prayer and we need to ask Jesus to forgive us for not being godly. And if we'll ask Jesus to forgive us for not being godly, then then he'll forgive us. He doesn't get mad at us. He doesn't hold us against us. And and we get to start all over being obedient. And so now instead of saying, hey, I want you to be good today, we say, I want you to be godly today. I want you to be obedient today. It's amazing what a four-year-old can pick up. It's amazing what a difference it can make in their life, helping them understand, I wasn't obedient today. And he said the other day, he said, I sinned. I said, I didn't listen to mommy. I sinned. I was like, that's right. Now let's go get the belt. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. For real, though. I gave him grace one day. He deserved a huge spanking, and I sat him down for 20 minutes, and we had this talk. And then I said, now, daddy's, I'm not going to give you a spanking. He said, no spanking? 
No, I said, I'm going to give you grace. God gives us grace. I'm going to give you grace. And so he marched out. He said, Mommy, Daddy didn't give me a spanking today. He gave me grace. And he just kept on <laughs> So there you go. I try to, try to keep it lighthearted. Godly before good. Godly, godly before good. That's our goal. All right. I'm going to attempt to show uh, truth number two to you here. Truth number two, if you want to be parent fit. Time flies, so make time. Time flies, so make time. You know what this represents? This is the average 936 weeks that parents will have with their kids before they typically graduate high school and begin life on their own. This is 936 marbles. This container represents the life of a child, and the marbles represent one week that we'll have with each kid. On average, 936 weeks. It seems like a lot. It seems like it would take a long time for this time to go by. But here's, here's, here's the truth that you need to, to see about my life already. You can't tell a huge difference, but these are the 870 weeks that I have left with my son, Cohen, who's just over a year old. You can't tell a huge difference. I mean, it's not that big a deal, but there's some marbles missing, and every week that goes by, we're losing a marble. And we start with a full jar of time with our kids, but every year, we're losing 52 Marbles, and then this is my four-year-old. I've only got 717 weeks left with him before he is on his own, before he starts life on his own. And just putting this illustration together, I thought, man, how time flies. I remember when he was just a, a baby, just an infant. I remember when we came home from the hospital with him, and he's over four years old now, and look at all the time that's missing and then I got to thinking, you know, some of you, you've got kids that have just started driving. Just started driving. 16th birthday. You've only got 104 weeks left with your kid. Just two more summer vacations and it's over. Two more Christmases. Seems like it'll take forever for that to happen, but you turn your back for a minute and you're going to find yourself with a jar that has more time gone than time ahead, time flies. And so my encouragement to us is to make time, to make time for our kids, to make our time count with our kids, to not let a week go by that we aren't intentional about having an influence on our kid. You think, well, you just got me depressed because I've got a 17-year-old and I've only got 52 marbles left and my life's over. I should just start crying now. But here's the truth. Here's the truth for you. Maybe it'll make you feel better, but probably not if you're a mom. You know what your goal is as a parent? Your end result, it's an empty jar. Because you're raising them to leave. You're not raising them to stay. You don't want to hold on to your kids for the rest of your life. You want your kids to, to branch out, to start lives of their own. Because you've trained them to be godly and they're successful because of what time you've put into them. Listen, how easy is it for us 
to get caught up in work, to get caught up in chores, to get caught up in the things of this life and forget the importance of every marble that's in this jar. How important is it for us to embrace every marble before we throw it out the window? To make the most of it. Because at the end of the day, when those marbles are gone, that's when you're going to see the result of your parenting. And that's when you're going to see the influence that you've had in your kid. Some people in this world, they like to think that someone else is going to have the spiritual impact or the moral impact in the life of their kid. But as you saw the video that began our time together, what children see, children do. And your kids are most influenced by you as a parent above any other. So this truth has been on my heart for the past four or five months, and I've just been praying through some things in our family since we began the church and started the process to plant this church over three years ago. My wife, Lindsay, decided that she would go back to work to help support our family to make our dream possible And so for three years, we've had other people watching our kids during the day. The majority of their hours every day were spent outside of the home under someone else's care. And we're thankful that we had a godly woman that was watching our kids. And we would have picked no one else in the whole world to watch our kids and the influence that she's had on our kids. But about four or five months ago, I just... I'm telling you, it was like God was calling me to plant a church. I felt like God was saying, you need to focus more energy on the marbles that are in the jar you have with your kids. And you need to allow your wife to come home and be the mom that I've called her to be. And I started just wrestling with stuff like, you know, God, if we just had, you know, another year of her work and we could get ahead in some areas and we could, you know, we could be in a better place to make that happen and it won't feel as scary to lose half of our income. I mean, just, you know, and so I wrestled with it for a month, for two months, for three months, and then I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Just I felt like I was being disobedient. And so at Christmas time this year, I sat down with Lindsay, and her Christmas gift was I gave her a letter of resignation, and I said, I want you to go to your job, and I want you to give them this letter and tell them that at the end of January, you're finished, and you're going to come home, and you're going to be an incredible mom to our kids. And being the, the mom that loved our family as much as her, she said, no, 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 let's just wait another year and we'll get some things figured out. And, and you know, I'll just, I'll keep working and suck it up. And if our kid's getting ready to start pre-K, and he spends the majority of his time away from home and the most impressionable years of his life, the months of his life, the weeks of his life are being spent outside of our home. And not that I think it's a sin for moms to work and for children to be in daycare. Please don't hear that. This is a personal conviction that God laid on my heart. But I thought, I want every marvel to count. And so we decided, let's give up some lifestyle to embrace some marbles. And let's cut back some things that may not be needed in our lives. And let's make sure that these marbles glorify God the best that they can. So starting tomorrow, Lindsay's full-time job is a stay-at-home mom. And uh, she said she's going to sleep for a couple of weeks before she starts doing that. And hopefully the kids will survive those two weeks. But um, I'm so afraid that I'll get down to 104 marbles and say, man, I wish, I wish when I had 870. 
I wish I'd have done things differently. And I wish when I had 717 that, that I would have talked differently to my child, that I would have made more time, that I would have stayed off of my gadgets, that I would have played with them more, that I would have helped spark their imagination, that I would have spent more time teaching them God's word, that I would have spent more time praying with them, that I would have spent more time modeling for them what it means to be a follower of Christ. I wish that I would have made them more time with my marbles. And so now's a chance for us as a church just to say, you know what, however many marbles we got, even if it's just 20, let's make these 20 marbles count the most they can. Time flies so make time count. Time flies, so make time count. My last encouragement here is to make sure that you spend time praying with your kids. That you leave a godly heritage, that you teach them from a young age, or if they're teenagers now and you're just now starting, that you spend time praying with your kids. I love, I love that, that, our, that Landon now, he'll ask us, to come pray for us, for him, before he goes to bed, that he just knows that every night we're going to pray together. And we say a lot of the same prayers, and we quote a lot of the same scriptures, but he's beginning to memorize them. And he says some of the most beautiful prayers that I've ever heard. We'll, we'll even be pretending to play war, and he'll shoot me, and, and I'll die. And he'll say, Daddy, get up, let's play, and I'm tired so I'm going to die for a little longer <laughs> and he, he's done this for he'll come over and he'll lay his hand and he'll say dear Jesus heal my daddy and make him alive again In Jesus name amen and what can you do I gotta be like alright let's round two here we go <laughs> kid just prayed me back to life I can't time flies so make time time flies so make time make sure our goal is godly before good time flies so make time Third truth is I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us as parents uh, to become supermodels. Become a supermodel. I don't, I don't mean like get in the best shape of your life and look good and wear the best clothes. But I mean embrace the fact that children do what children see. And make sure that what your children see is godly. You know, you can't train kids to be godly if you're not godly I'm sure it might be possible but it's going to be very difficult how difficult would it be to tell your children not to say certain words when they hear you say those words over and over and over how difficult would it be to tell your children not to react certain ways when they see you react certain ways over and over and over we tell our kids don't watch certain things and they see us watching certain things and they tell us we tell them not to yell and we yell and we tell them not to do until we become godly ourselves, it's going to be hard for us to leave a legacy of godliness for our kids. And so I want to challenge us to become supermodels, to embrace the fact that, man, everything I do, my kid sees. My kid's watching me. And my kid is forming a worldview based on their world with me. And when they see me react certain ways, they're adopting behavior. And when they see me say certain things, they're learning how to say certain things. And if we'll embrace the truth that we model the behavior that we want in our kids, not to be good, but to be godly, and if we'll own that, then it'll change us.
I don't know about you, but there's been so many times in my walk with the Lord that being a parent has taught me what it means to follow Jesus more. That I've heard that Jesus loved me and he made sacrifices and this and that, but when I experience loving a child the way that I love my kids, I can better understand what Jesus means when he says he loves me. When God says he sent his son Jesus for me and what a sacrifice that was. I can understand that because I'm a parent now. So if I'll learn from my kids and I'll treat myself more godly and I'll train myself to become more godly, then I can have an influence on my kids that's not just do what I say and not what I do, but it's modeled for them. It's illustrated before their very eyes that they see, that they hear, that they learn, that they know how to walk a godly life because they see it. And here's one of the big areas that I think has to be modeled for our kids from the beginning. And it's our priority structure in life that says it's God first, it's my spouse second, and son, daughter, you're third. You're third on the list. This world and even this family doesn't revolve around you. But God comes first and I'm going to serve him wholeheartedly. And then your mommy, then your daddy comes second. When's, when's the last time you told your kids no so that you could do something with your spouse? When's the last time you've told your kid, listen, listen, I know you want to go do that. I know you want to go see that. I know you want that, but... But you know what? Your mommy wants something too. Your dad wants something too. And we're, we're going to take care of mommy right now. And so you can just hold tight. I'm sorry you're not going to have the best day of your life. But you need to know something. And one day you're going to leave. And I want your mom to stay. <laughs> I do. I want my kids to leave one day. And when they leave, I don't want my wife to go with them. Because I want them to know that she was more important to them. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, how dare you say that your kids aren't that important? They should be your number one priority. That's what gets parents in trouble if they want to raise godly kids. Is their kids feel like the world revolves around them. And then they go out into a world where, guess what? It doesn't revolve around them. And then they have trouble adapting to life. And then they don't understand why life doesn't revolve around them. It's because we didn't model priorities correctly from them from the beginning. It's always God first. Do your kids see God first in your life? Do they catch you praying? Do they ever see you reading your Bible? Do they ever hear of you sharing the good news of Jesus with anybody? Do they ever hear and you just say, God bless you to someone that sneezes in a restaurant? When do your kids see that God is first in your life? And when do your kids see that your spouse is second in your life? What are you doing to illustrate to your kids that one day when you get married and you have kids of your own, they can't be number one? If they're number one, then they're out of order and you're raising kids the wrong way. God's first, spouse is second, and then come kids. And then after that comes church and your job and all those other things in life that are important but don't get the top spot. God first, spouse second, kids third. I could say a lot more about that, but we need to move on. Become a supermodel. Please become a supermodel in the life and the eyes of your kids. They need to see that you model godliness more than anyone else in their life. 
And they need to aspire to be just like you, and you should be proud if they are just like you. If you don't want your kid to turn out like you, then you should probably start searching on the inside about how you can change yourself so that your kid could long to be like mommy and daddy. That would be a huge parenting win. And lastly, lastly, have discipline, discipline. Have discipline, discipline, meaning you're disciplined in disciplining your kids. I don't want to get into all the gamut of approaches to disciplining kids, but I want us to agree to something. Is that Bible instructs us as parents to discipline our kids. That it's through discipline that our children are corrected. It's through discipline that our children become more godly. It's through discipline that our children understand more and more what it means to be like Christ. Let me just share some quick scriptures with you and you can form your own opinions and then I'll give you mine. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Are we careful to discipline our kids? Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. If you don't discipline your kid, there's no hope for their life. But you're being a willing party to them being unsuccessful in this world. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And let me tell you, my parents drove it really far. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Some of you are like, I don't know if your, parent, your parents didn't spank like I did. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Listen, it's important to discipline our kids. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen, Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. If you want the best from your kids and you want to experience the fullest, richest blessings that God intended for you through your kids, you've got to have discipline, discipline. I'm talking about the discipline where your kids know if you say you're going to discipline them, then you're going to discipline them. That you don't just this time say, you know, this time it's time out and the next time it's not time out. Or this time it's a spanking and the next time it's not a spanking. Or this time... Kids, they just have this knack for figuring out how much they can get away with. From an early age, it's amazing. And they find that line where you're actually serious, and they like to hang out around that line. And every so often, they just got to make sure that's still the line, and so they'll step across, oh, yep, that's the line, okay, I'm going to stay here. But sometimes they'll step across and be like, oh, nothing happened, the line moved, I'm going to scoot on up. If you don't have discipline, discipline, then your kids' approach to life will almost be, what can I get away with, and not what is the standard for my life. I'm a firm believer in spanking. Not just because I was spanked, but uh, if you look at some of the original language, it's actually talking here when it's talking about the rod, about actual physical blows. Um, But you don't have to agree with that. Um, Everyone has an opinion about this, and some experts would say that you should never spank. Uh, Dr. James Dobson specifically says you should never spank with your hand. Um, 
all kind of approaches to this, but, but here's just what I want us to agree on. What is your approach to discipline? And how do you discipline? And is discipline a top priority in your parenting? Because if it's not, if it's not, then you're not doing any justice to your kids. And you're not teaching your kids what it means to be godly. And you're not modeling to them what it means to be a follower of Christ. The Bible teaches us as followers of Christ to discipline our kids. And if we're not disciplined in disciplining our kids, it's easier not to do it. How many of you ever had this conversation with a spouse? Kids are in the other room. You know one's beating the other one up. They're screaming and yelling. You're like, you go talk to them. No, you go talk to them. I did last time, and you go talk to them. I've never had that conversation, but I've heard of some parents that have had those conversations. And listen, it's easy just to say, it'll all work itself out. They'll figure things out. It's, it's okay. It's okay. There's truth in that to some level, but we have to say, as difficult as it is to maintain a standard of discipline in our home, We've got to be intentional about that. Whatever your standard is, listen, I'm not telling you you got to spank. I'm not telling you you got to do time out. I'm not telling you you got to take things away. You can read books and figure that out from the experts. But I'm telling you, you've got to figure out something. And you've got to have discipline, discipline. Our goal is godly before good. Time flies, so let's make time. We've got to become a supermodel. And we've got to have discipline, discipline. If we'll do those things, we'll be on our journey becoming more fit than we've ever been in the area of parenting. Father, thank you for the children that you've blessed us with. Thank you for the opportunity to impact them, to raise them, to be responsible for them, to be entrusted with their care. I pray that we would parent them well, that we would raise godly kids, that, that good would stop being a goal of ours, but godly would be our ultimate goal and we would raise godly kids that love the Lord that love the church that love our world and live the lives that God's called us to live in Jesus name I pray amen